Today's guest on the Kieran Yoga Podcast is Edward Clark. Edward Clark is most known for his performing company, Trip Sickery, who have produced yoga theatre pieces for around the last 20 years. Based in London, UK, they have toured all over the world and have branches all over the world. Edward started the practice of yoga in his native Canada in 1978 or thereabouts while studying performing arts, I think mainly dance. A most accomplished practitioner himself, he's also really a thinker of great note, which I think really comes across in this interview, inquires things and comes up with new perspectives. So in it, we'll primarily talk about the practical use of yoga in the world, as opposed to as a private endeavour for oneself alone. So instead, his intention with Tripsikari is really to connect outwards the individual into the world, rather than as an exclusively individual-centred endeavour. So the practical usage. Done in sharing yoga theatre with people, as well as the performers in putting their own yoga to the test. It's a test on stage of yoga, which is interesting in our discussion. So the aim is embodiment, and not in a transcendental way, but in the continuity of a flowing waters of identity, like life itself. This is uh, related to his use of vinyasa as representative of a state of being, not rigidly unified in stasis, asana, but ever-changing, ever-seeking balance. Sounds complicated, but we'll discuss this further. I hope you enjoy the conversation. We had two attempts because the best expression of our conversation and converging ideas was not really easy to get down exactly. Even this time, I always try to work on a real discussion and not simply biographies. So we pushed through and ended with something quite interesting, I think. Anyway, remember, if you like the podcast, you can donate via our website, keenanyoga.com, as it does take a lot of time and effort. Also, feel free to interview, uh, sorry, feel free to review us at any point and mention your interest in any guests you might want interviewed. I'll leave you here now to listen to it. Right, so second time round, welcome Edward from Tripsickery. Is that right? That's Is that right. That, absolutely. It's like, it's like you've been <laughs> I mean, saying it all your life. <laughs> like you're a Tripsicorian. Oh, I've been practicing, I've been practicing. Um, and it doesn't come naturally, but Tripsickery, okay, it's, a, it's what we uh, thought in, in Ashtanga terms as, um, as the devil, um, <laughs> a kind of vinyasa esque, uh, somewhat Ashtanga um, based uh, performative uh, yoga, I think, um, which is leading to my first question. What is it? Is it a performance? Is it yoga? What, what were your intentions behind what you, what you started there? Uh, 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 <laughs> that's got things off to a great start. I think we'll be able to cut oh. those first three syllables. It's it. Uh, it's a Tripsikri is a performing company, um, and we do something called yoga theater. Uh, so we we practice uh, yoga technique, and as such, we've looked at the similarities between yoga, theater, and dance too, uh, music as well, and and look upon them is as, it a practice? Uh, I suppose. I was reflecting because we talked a lot before. Edda and I have already talked a little bit, quite a lot, in fact. And I was, I was trying to get a handle on it. And what was coming to my mind is, is it a practice in itself? Or do you do another practice and that's something 
is it a dance performance? I was hesitant to call it a dance performance, but I don't think you think of it that way. It's a lot more than that, as we will discuss. Well, we never we never call it dance. We we call it theatre, uh, just or I do anyway. Uh, I th- I think anybody, if you took most of the people who are in or have been in tripsichore and tried to teach them dance steps, most of them would sort of exhibit smoking synapses because it's quite different the the um yeah i'm i'm highly biased here but i would say in terms of um a yoga technique uh, i i really think it's extremely advanced and complicated and well thought through but its point is that a practice is different than something that is an end in itself. It, we, we do, one uses yoga as a technology for deciphering who the self is and what the nature of reality is. And that it's, I, I, and I think this is what one does with art as well, that the art and yoga are these technologies for understanding self and uh, apprising reality. And as such, I think they are both aesthetic philosophies. They, they use the senses to come to an appreciation of uh, beauty and uh, and that that's what they're about I, I, I that's a that's what tripsichore is but we use it to do something rather than we lock ourselves up for two hours every day and that's the practice and it's unrelated to what goes on outside it, it it's intimately related with what goes on outside. So I think what, what what's happened in the yoga world that is quite unusual, um, it's as though you have, I think maybe I talked about this last time, so I'm hoping I sort of recover it <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, if you just had, if you had people who, if you had the things that were called dance classes and dance classes, whether it was contemporary or ballet or whatever, but that was what you did and you called that your practice, but there was no such thing as performative dance as in a theater performance of dance or even going out to dance with people at night because you'd studied some kind of social dancing that you just had the practicing of dance in a studio with no application to it outside. That's somewhat where we're at with yoga at the moment. The actual physical skills, some of which are quite remarkable, uh, have very little application in the real world. And uh, it's it's curious that, that, that people enjoy it as much as they do without having gone further into what it's the the point of doing it actually is and 
the rationales that are, are made for why it makes them feel better or why it's healthy or the, the, they strike me personally as curious, but then again, um, they don't have to strike me as <laughs> being something that's worthwhile. It's, it's, it's up to every, you know, people use it for what they use it for. But the point of Tripsickory is that it has direct application I think so. I mean, what, what came to my mind before, you know, and it struck me in talking to you the last time we, t- we chatted about the idea of needing to have a test in yoga, right? That these, you know, it's all well and good what you do in your bedroom, but how does that practically apply when your skills are put to the test in the performance of what you're doing? Um, and, and the, yeah, and then it, then it kind of made me kind of think, well, at what point did you kind of feel, I mean, it strikes me that you're, application of yoga is quite practically uh, apply, applying the self in the world as to how can the self be applied in the world. So it's, it's definitely, or correct me if I'm wrong, appears a more of an imminent, let's say, you know, rather than a transcendent view of yoga, right? Like in the idea of being tested and, you know, and, uh, and putting yourself to the test and, and facing up to those fears, perhaps, you know, um, and applying yourself in the context of other people. And relating to other people in your yoga practice rather than just, you know, it being a, a, you know, something that you did exclusively for yourself for something other than inserting the self in society. Does that make any sense? There's so many ideas in that. Uh, now, here's an interesting thing. And this, I think, is a real yogic test. If you're on stage and you've got choreography that's meant to happen to certain places in the music where you're relating to the music and you're trying to convey a character or narrative or even just a a, a lyrical idea to the audience and something goes wrong. If you fail the test, you sort of go, whoops, oh, oh my gosh, that was no good. But the people who pass the test are the ones who have the yogic wherewithal to carry on and fold the whole thing back into the fact that, yeah, this was meant to be a very organized thing that happens on certain beats. We know how it's supposed to go, but I actually fell over out of that handstand. And we have to somehow, in real time, make it all hang together again. That's the real test. The people who can have it go completely wrong and they retain an evenness of mind. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, kind of, I was reticent about the idea last time, but now I kind of see it, I kind of see it a lot more clearly in a way because a lot of the time there's a lot of fear and judgment when we're on the mat on a, alone, but it never really comes to fruition, right? Right, in, in terms of inserting, you know, like you feel like you, you feel the fear coming up to a handstand yourself, but you never really kind of go through that and, and fall over in front of a, a bunch of people. I can see how it would work, right? You, you know, and make it good and accept it. And, you know, and you kind of, you kind of pass through it in a way, you know, like it adds another level to, to the whole thing, let's say. (laughs) 
Well, you know what it reminds me of just what I was thinking while you were talking there is um, when the, the, the teacher singles out a student and, um, and they fall apart because the teacher's watching them. And you go, like, why would you do it worse just because the teacher is watching? They actually aren't, in fact, touching you, but you're allowing whatever the relationship is to, to spoil your work. And, it, you know, it's the same, oh, oh, my gosh, I'm in a theater and it's too cold. Or what's another way of putting this? Um, if you were outside and um, you're going, wow, I'm doing an outdoor practice, man. This is so fabulous. And then a cloud passes in front of the sun and it ruins everything for yeah. you. Mm. That wouldn't really yeah. make sense. And, and this, is, this, is, this is the study of self is going like, okay, I, I, I can see how what I have to do so that I don't ruin everything in terms of what I'm actually creating. And I think, I mean, you're using it, the idea of imminence and transcendence to suggest that, that the creative thing is somehow, but it's, that's the transcendent thing is where you take something that was only existed in your mind and you make it real it it becomes an actual thing and this i would say is the larger practice of what tripsichory is is that we um assemble over a lengthy period of time a a, a narrative that has various characters and pulls together costumes music production and we take something that did not exist and we give it form and we use that to communicate to others. Whether the communication is a, a direct understanding is highly debatable, but it is something that when watched does have a particular effect. So what we see in, in theatrical performances, normal theater performances, is you have an actor playing a sad scene and... So the audience, even if their lives are not sad, if they're doing it convincingly, they become sad too. The, it, so if you're doing um, a, a, a validly, now <laughs> this is open to a lot of interpretation, but if the performance that you give is yogically truthful, the audience should have a, a, a yogic experience, some kind of meditative experience. Presumably, as we do choreograph it down to each breath, the people watching will be breathing and having a similar breath to what the people are doing on stage. So just like when you watch a, a dancer take a, a, a great leap across the stage and you, you thrill a little bit inside, some some part of your spine kind of goes with that. You take a deep breath in with them. The thing that's happening to the people in a yoga theater piece is something that then transcendently passes to the members of the audience. In that sense, it is a, a practice where the self is brought into an interface with that which appears to be other. Yes, that's what exactly what I was going to say. It's very much a the the view of the self here in yoga is very much contextualized with others, right? I mean, that's the way that you're bringing yoga into into this into this space, right? So it's not something which you do exclusively for your own self awareness in a void as such. 
you know, the meaning of the self being exclusive to one's internal kind of pratyaharic uh, withdrawal. It's very much inserting the meaning of self within the context of the other and in and in society. And, and, and also fairly practically speaking, right? Like what you're talking about in terms of interfacing with the audience and, um, you know, attempting to make good, you know, potential failures, in, uh, you know, in front of other people, which is probably our biggest fear, is, um, you know, is, is, is practically... A very, very effective use of yoga, I would say. <laughs> I'm, I was so, gonna... Sorry, I, I'm assembling this out of every third word. Yes. Yeah, so, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, gosh, Adam. Um, okay, well... One of the notions that seems to inform much of yoga practice for the last hundred years, as far as which is what we have maybe the best handle on, um, is the idea that there is a foundational self, um, uh, 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 and that the study of that foundational self, which is something eternal, unchanging, everlasting, and is in some way identical to the nature of the universe, hence Atman equals Brahman. Uh, in, in feeling that the, the one can, can, make this connection with others in a theatrical kind of way, uh, it, it is a, a way of perhaps accessing that idea of the, the, there is what is there is the same in all things. And its everlastingness would be the fact that this I or consciousness being present in all things does not rely on my individual life, that when I die, that I will still persist in all things, that there is, it somehow is the root or foundation of, um, I, that's, I guess, the sense in which I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. I think it ties in with your idea of static and active asana, right? So, uh, and you have something very interesting to say about uses of the static um, as opposed to like, the, you know, the vinyasa right? and what they mean in terms of a sense of self in time or in flow. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, well, one looks inwardly and one's looking outwardly. And uh, the inward-looking one, uh, to my mind, suggests a, a negating of embodiment in a bodily process. And it's always going to have a, a, a certain difficulties, the idea that you can bring the body to a place of stillness and the mind to a place of stillness and the breath to a place of stillness is seemingly contradicted easily. The, the yogi 
might be appear to be seated without moving, but in fact, blood is still coursing through their veins and the, their endocrine system is still pumping out um, glandularly and they're seated on a planet that is spinning around and the planet itself is circling the sun and the sun is caught up in a galaxy that is also in a, a large galactic whirl and it's part of an expanding universe. And one can try and overcome this apparent ceaseless change by uh, doing a negation of it. Uh, but it seems, it, 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 it seems doomed to fail. However, that said, um, whatever the premises of um, outward, this outward idea, the, the, which I would call the vinyasa idea, I, I mean, its premises are equally ridiculous that it, it attempts to assemble a simulacrum of what the rest of the world or universe is doing by accessing it sensually. So it's taking electrochemical symbols that get delivered either through touch or smell or hearing or visuals or taste and delivered to various parts of the brain and images are created in the brain from these electrochemical symbols that are represent what it is interpreting from what's going on in the real world. But that still would be considered Maya uh, an illusion. But I, I think the thing is, one recognizes that this illusion is a highly creative enterprise. It's not something that you, you necessarily believe in because it's so changeable. It, it's not something that is fixed. Uh, and I mean, it, it's an interesting tension between these two, the idea that the, the asana approach, the static, as you're saying it, uh, attempts to to find its understanding through stillness, and the other one, uh, the vinyasa approaches the activity one, uh, tries to approach it through the understanding of continuous change, and undoubtedly both of them are uh, are valid and right, and neither of them is right. <laughs> the 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 it, it's a, a fascinating tension between the two that is never going to be wholly resolved. So what one does in a yoga practice or what I think one does in a, a theater performance is you, you hypothesize breath by breath. You know, you're going, okay, with this breath, my inhalation is going to take me t uh, and I, what happens? And that, that's, that's the vinyasa sort of thing. What's happening here? What am I interpreting and what am I contributing to it? Uh, I would say uh, maybe it's just a small caveat, and I can certainly argue against this position as well, that, that um, it's involved in uh, this reciprocity, whereas the static one seems to be purely a receiver. It, it envisages, I guess, this foundational self as uh, something that it merely observes and isn't engaged as a part of this and has stepped back and away from it, which is a fascinating hypothesis. Uh, and um, 
how does one test it? One tests it by doing a practice. Uh, at the end of the practice, though, you still are going to have to step off your mat, step out of the studio uh, and go and do something. Where does that leave you? Does it give you delight? You, yeah. I think your work definitely tests the tensions of the ego or, or the relationship between the ego. I mean, it's, it's a very embodied sense of yoga. And I suppose that your critics would say, well, you know, embodiment in a world of, uh, as you put it, maya, uh, of illusion is... It's just playing with falsity, but um, how would you how would you come back from that? Well, <laughs> yes, of course, it's false. It's imaginative. Um, nobody looks at um, a painting of a landscape and thinks that's a landscape. No, it's paint on canvas. <laughs> yeah. Any anybody who thinks that their version of reality is actual, it, it would be crazy. But it's creative. It's a delight to make it up. It's it's how we live our lives, and we we have we're not condemned to just one version of it. We can go and you know, the next breath is something different. To invest in in the idea of a self that is unchanging because it's the true one would be equally foolish how can a finite creature actually understand infinity it well you know we're <laughs> we're at best trying out a theory and seeing using a method and techniques to try and give it form and then we try again on the next breath how do you recommend the members of your company to practice on their own to balance this, I mean, because obviously there's this one aspect of there's this one aspect of formative and you know and interacting with others and the audience and embodying in, in a creative sense one's life force. And there's there's another tension that we've discussed, which is you know looking at ego in, you know in terms of one's own self, um, perhaps in a different manner. Do you do you ask the 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 troupe the uh, the other performers to have a different kind of practice outside the performative one. How do you how do you guide that? Well, the people uh, who are in Tripsikri, we occasionally have people who are who've only done yoga as a physical discipline. Uh, we seem to get a lot of actors. Occasionally, there's dancers, um, but. Whatever their practice is, they, they really, I mean, even, even people with a seriously advanced dance practice, it seems to take about 18 months for them to be able to come to grips with what this kind of a practice is. The, the, it's, it's different. It's, um, it takes a while to figure it out. No one, no one just steps right into it and is able to do it. Uh, so, but it doesn't seem to much matter where they're coming from, uh, 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 as long as there's a certain physical capacity. Uh, I do like unusual shapes. Um, I mean, bodies that that are not necessarily the, what one would go. Oh, well, that's a dancer. That's an acrobat, or you know, that's a that's that's an. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we talked a little bit last time about the possible you know, charges of elitism on this, right? That, you know, to, to, in, order to, <laughs> in order to perform, you have to have a certain kind of ability and uh, ableism in body. And actually, you were eloquent in saying that you, you are the favour people who have different kinds of bodies, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in daring. I, I mean, that's why I was excited when you were saying you, you had, <laughs> in your 20s, you had an abusive relationship with substances. Um, because because I, I, I think, I mean, usually the people who get good at yoga have, uh, not usually, often, have had a, a sense of risk, uh, a desire to alter their consciousness uh, or to recognize that altering of consciousness is something that, 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 that facilitates a deeper understanding of who they are and what reality is. Um, but they also are smart enough to realize that they don't need substances to do it. Like <laughs> once you've realized what the substances do, you probably can figure out a way to do it without sort of, but to know that the, the territory is there where extremity and intensity exist, I think that's very important to somebody who's going to do tripsickery, even if they're not uh, abundant, apparently so, in, in their real lives. They, they tend to be intellectual risk takers or they're, or they're imaginative risk takers. Sometimes they're emotional risk takers, they're intellectual risk takers, or they're physical risk takers. And they use this as a way, as a, as a form of stimulus to, to facilitate a deeper understanding of themselves and a deeper understanding of reality. And the fact that they recognize the uh, likelihood of consciousness altering and it being a desirable thing makes them good at yoga and, and makes them, I would say, good philosophers. And how does that play out in terms of the audience? I mean, what's your objective to, to the show in terms of, is it just to, to allow people to see things from, you know, in terms of the audience from different angles? Or have you got a particular objective towards informing or educa educating the audience? <laughs> it's like having, <sighs> no, it's like having an energy bath. It's, it's, it should be, it should be, entertaining and it should be stimulating they should be taken on a yogic journey but the, the, the there's no message nothing like that um it's unless it's you know the substance of what we've just been talking about here that take risks you know how far can you go live this this is what it feels like to put your leg behind your head or you know, try and balance on one arm or one leg. It's, uh, this, is, this is get out there, experience, and we're all in this together, and, but we're not all the same. So and you don't put it together a particular show with a certain type of message in mind? It was there, I mean, I've seen some of the, the, um, the shows you shared with me. Uh, they do seem to be around certain kind of feelings, right? Death. <laughs> They're always about death. <laughs> um, um, well, perhaps they're—I uh, mean, trying to think. 
they certainly involve spiritual frustration. Uh, people who who are not spiritually accomplished, they the things that happen to them that that would there's certainly characters that are always in it. Um, I think there's all, but I do think there's also. I mean, where I'm interested in what happens post-death. So, I don't know, I mean, thingy, you know, shows, we did one called The Last Breath, where, you know, sort of was a 45-minute show where the last breath was dissected down into um, this person on a hospital bed and what they were going through in that last breath or... Um, we had another one called Beyond Death, The Essential <laughs> Remains, um, which, which we, <laughs> um, yeah, um, we did one about, uh, vaguely, uh, based kind of on the life of Rajneesh, uh, you know, somebody, somebody who's yeah, yeah. flawed, but who's also quite accomplished and, what 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 happens to them? Uh, what 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 are the things that save them? How do they live with themselves? Then, uh, As, yeah, the last As, uh, you know, last show that we were doing was called "Release from the Cage," and it's. Uh, I mean, you're always trying to figure out some reason why people are doing yoga on stage, and in that one. This guy's a prisoner. He's in solitary confinement and he's trying to keep his sanity by doing yoga. And, you know, of course, not entirely succeeding at it. It's, you know, it's difficult. If he entirely succeeded at it, the show would be over. Uh, uh, but the, the object in the end is he realizes that um, the, the door to his cell wasn't even locked. It was, he just had to go and open the door. Oh, who'd have seen that yeah, coming? But, yes. <laughs> Isn't that so often the case? Um, are, you, are you trying to convince people to do yoga or is it purely vicarious, just a spectacle for them? Oh. Or is, it, is there any kind of proselytizing no, here? You know, no, in terms of no, 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 not, not, unless, not unless we're selling a workshop that's the next day. Uh, <laughs> yes, I didn't imagine that would be a, that kind of, of lowbrow aim would be yours. Uh, but uh, what about, okay, let's try another, let's try another, uh, a tangent. What, I mean, we, we, and this is kind of going the other way around to the normal interviews. What, what was your background in yoga, practice your own background just for the audience now. And what, what made you get into this in terms of, was, was this your original objective for yoga? Uh, and, and, and what are the objectives to your own personal practice? I'm assuming you do one, um, now. Wow. Those are two big questions. Um, it was very shortly after I started studying dance. Uh, it's in 1978. Um, the woman that uh, I was studying with fancied this boy in the class who who um, had done something called Ayenga or something like that, yoga. And anyway, so all of a sudden Tommy was, uh, now Tommy's going to teach us some yoga. And so um, Tommy was like, oh man, this is hippie bullshit. I was like, because it was 1978, you know, and I, was, I had a punk haircut and it was like, 
Um, so anyway, uh, much as uh, uh, I resented Tommy, uh, his this uh, Iyengar yoga, which I couldn't have been, was a little Iyengari I see now. Um, it, it was really interesting. It, it just right. doing it mm. like we're going. Oh my god, this is a this is really cool. So just started taking that stuff and doing it. Uh, at home and, and and messing around with it, I'm such an autodidact. But mm. what, what do you like about that, as a, uh, in comparison to the dance? Because you're already proficient in in dance. So what what did you find that was oh, lacking? I, you I want to take off. I wasn't proficient in dance. That was the thing. It made me so much better at dance. That was, I think, what was it. It just was. Um, so it's just a practical interest that you had to work. It was. It f- felt very deep. Um, it, it, Deeper it, than dance. Ye- a different, <laughs> a different kind of depth. It was more like the the bass 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 notes. And um, anyway, uh, so we did. You know, we used this for years, and we had a joke that we were going to do something called yoga theater, which we would do it was going to be so boring that um the arts council would love it they were bound they were <laughs> sure to fund it because they were like funding at least this was our opinion at the time was you know like the things that they were funding were like so off-putting and going like oh my god they managed to destroy contemporary dance in this country what looked like in the late 70s was that in canada or, or were you in england uh both actually um, if you imagine something the Arts Council would, would be in favour of in the UK that, Sam, yeah. <laughs> yeah nothing moving um, however no, that never panned out but we got to this place where we, we were ready to do a new project we just finished doing something called Revenge of the Love Cannibals and we were looking for a new project we, oh you know like, let's just mess around with that with that um, yoga theater idea because we're, we're trying different styles and taking the piss out of Cunningham technique and ballet and stuff and and then um, we went okay yeah we're going to put two sun salutes together so close together that they're going to run into each other and they'll just have to we started doing this and it was it just immediately began to generate really good material and we were we jet, jettisoned everything else and went okay yeah let's let's uh let's do let's do this other thing and we we started work we we did sort of an adaptation of a first few uh chapters of a ben Ocri novel well that was where our starting point and we, we 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 went okay yeah this could be this moment so so it sort of came from there of we we just the amazing thing about it was that it was instantly so much better than everything else that we'd been doing. I mean, it was embarrassing and that we and 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 so stimulating because it it was like um, you had all this material that was already about huge subjects like mysticism and ecstasy and balance and harmony and equilibrium and and it it all went together it had it, it was yeah really really exciting to do um uh, it took us forever to get any 
really good at it, but, but it was, yeah, that's how, that's how that started. And second half of your question, these days, <laughs> um, I try and, I try and pretend that I'm 25, um, not in the abusing <laughs> substance kind of way like yourself, but, um, but no, I'm still trying, trying to, to have, um, a very difficult, um, demanding, uh, practice, uh, uh, for the pandemic, there's been so little teaching. For the sake of the performance or for the sake of something else? That's really an interesting question because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping up the performance material as best I can. But, but, um, but uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's also, uh, shamefully, it's, it, there's a certain amount of vanity in it that, that it's, to try and hold back the inevitable uh, deterioration of, you know, because try as I am to be 25, I'm, I'm probably better than I was at 25, but I'm not as good as I was 10 years ago, say, or, you know, it's, it, there's, there is the sad secret of aging is, is actually happening. Uh, and, try as I am to hold back the sands of time and King Canute, the, the waves of uh, elderliness coming on. Uh, it's, yeah. So, so, yeah, the futile attempt to, to stay young forever. <laughs> That's a joke. Would, would, I understand it's a joke, but wouldn't the, the contextualizing of your practice in and amongst other people also somehow dissipate that? You know, I can see how actually, although you put to the well, test, and I really like is, that idea of the it's, yoga it's test. It's like you're, 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 one tries to be a sculptor and the sculpture. That's how I see it. A living sculpture that you are, you're making you're dedicated as an artist to making beauty. And I don't mean it just like in a classical statue kind of. It, it's this idea that um, beauty is inherent in all things, but we need technologies like art or yoga to reveal it to us. And, and that's, for me, that's the, the thrilling thing about it, is I try to make something that... I feel is beautiful and it, it has to work on so many levels and one is constantly refining it, uh, you know, whether it be the line or the way in which you use your focus or the narrative that you're trying to put across or just whether it's to achieve a certain pureness of balance and harmony of limbs. It all comes together in something that constantly evolves and which allows me to experience beauty in myself and also to appreciate it in others and the circumstances of all things where, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there's many things that are apparently not beautiful. So to, to, to have a technology through which one accesses what is aesthetic in all circumstances seems to me to be the great 
that to me is the great unifier of yoga. Um, and maybe that's Tripsikari's thing. It's that there is beauty to be accessed in all times, in all places, but it's not necessarily obvious to us because we're finite creatures trying to deal with the infinite. And that, for me, gets me around the earlier problems of talking about the idea of a foundational self and, right, does that really mm. exist? It's rather that the, the foundation is that the universe is amazing. Reality is amazing. But we're not likely to see it all the time. It takes huge discipline to keep coming up to see it in yourself, to see it in reality, to see it in everything that appears to be other. This is what I see art and yoga doing. That's excellent. Yeah. I think we finally got there. <laughs> I, and I, that was such a, I, I, that's such a good final line. <laughs> I will, it was good. It was good. All right. Let, let's Ooh, leave it there. Thank goodness. Can we cut like about 40 minutes of this and just get to that last one? No, that was a good idea. You, you got there in the end. You know, I, I think what you're doing is excellent. Um, just to round out a picture of you for the audience, um, look, give, give me one. And don't think too hard on this, for God's sakes. Um, you think way too hard. Is it one inspiration and one guilty oh my pleasure? God. An inspiration or a guilty pleasure, both two things. So the inspiration, something inspires you, a place, a book, uh, a person. Um, uh, you know, a piece of art, and, and and something you take pleasure in. You know, something doesn't anything. <laughs> just don't just don't say chocolate. Oh man, gee, uh, no, definitely not. Um, I um, a vintage champagne is always good, uh, and I demand when people when I teach people uh, how to do a back kickover. That's the only payment I ever ask for. So it's vintage, vintage champagne. So, yeah, um, that's my inspiration. That's Guilty a first. pleasure. First. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was your inspiration. Bloody hell. Um, okay. Oh, uh, no. Uh, inspiration. Inspiration is... Uh, um, I, the things that inspire me, I, I really like working with other people. Um, and that's certainly something that the pandemic has shown is that, man, I like working alone. Working alone's cool. That's great. But I really find it very inspiring to work with other people. That, that takes me off, sets my mind racing and sets my, I get excited by it. I, 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 I dig working with people when they churn up ideas and they and, and nobody's hung up about whether something's good or not where where there's just a real exploration but exploration amongst people who then wish to polish and, and improve upon it and refine that that i find really exciting thank you edward for coming on Thank you.